0: Welcome to the New Hope Leeward Podcast. Oh, wow. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you folks this morning, everyone here in person as well as online. Uh, We're so glad that you're joining us uh, for Weekend Services. My name's Justin. For those of you who don't know, I'm the Weekend Services pastor here at the church. And I'm glad that you're with us because if you've been with us for the past few weeks, then you know that we are in the middle of our series called Here Today gone tomorrow. And what we're going to be doing is we're looking at life through the lens of eternity. And for this entire series, what we've been trying to do is just taking a step back, looking at our lives, looking at the aspects of our lives, the things that we go through, the things that we are experiencing, and trying to see them splashed up against the realities of of eternity. Because what we found so often is sometimes we will look at things so close to our faces, we'll hold things of this world so close to us, whether it's the things that we experience or the things that we have, and we're looking at it so close that we cannot take a step back and see it just kind of in the, the context of our eternal life. So this weekend, we're gonna be jumping right in. We're talking about changing the way that we see loss. And everybody just started erupting in applause. Everyone's so excited about this. Everyone at home, you can like everyone's on their feet, as you can see. No, you can't I'm just start. Um the, I, I was. Pretty nervous uh, when I got my hands on this topic. I actually thought that, I was like, Pastor Josiah is setting me up, man. Because he, he talked about uh, money, he talked about possessions, he talked about forgiveness, and then he just dipped. He went on vacation. And he's like, Justin, go talk about death now, bye. And I was like, okay, like, thanks, man. Um, I, I wasn't really, like, doing cartwheels when I realized I was going to be talking about this. Um, because I'm going to let you in on a little secret that I feel like I'm not allowed to say as a pastor. I'm not really good with the uh, sincere emotions, like the sincere feelings. I'm not good at that. Like when things get too real and things get a little too emotional, I start cracking jokes like right away. I'm the first person. Um, for example, last, last year, uh, my wife, she uh, had one of her first kind of major surgeries that she's ever had. And um, I, I went with her to the hospital, obviously, because I'm her husband. <laughs> I went there, support her. And she was pretty anxious. It was the first time she was going under like anesthesia, so... Of course, she's pretty anxious. She's nervous, so she brings me along for support. Bad idea. We, <laughs> we get into the pre-op room, and um, I do this bit at home where, like, I pretend I'm her, like, at-home nurse, and I'll just yell things. So in the pre-op room, I, like, grab her gown, and I say, Okay, Mrs. Masuda, it's time to put on your gown, and I'm super loud. And she's like, I'm going to kick you out. And then... <laughs> I put it on, and I was like, you look fabulous. Like, give us a twirl. And she's like, I will kick you out. And then she lies down, and, and uh, in the pre-op room, there's a curtain, and you can only see her feet. And I wanted to confuse the nurses, so I just started doing, like, the electric slide. And I was, like, just, like, singing to her. And then as she was uh, being uh, wheeled off, and you could tell she was, um, you know, pretty nervous, and she's looking at me to, for support. And I was like, have fun! And <laughs> just laughed. Uh, I'm not winning Husband of the Year. I understand. Um, she's 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 good. She's fine. She forgave me. Um, but uh, that that's just kind of that's it's not my strong suit. Like being in real, honest, genuine situations is not really my strong suit. I, I'm I'm going to therapy. We're discovering things. Everything's fine. Um, but no, seriously, go to therapy, guys. Um, and I'll be even more honest. Like. I have a hard time I really do. This is more um, serious. I have a hard time talking about things that I feel like I don't have a lot of authority in. I'm pretty fortunate that I'm, I'm 34 years old. I haven't lost a lot of people very close to me in my life, and I felt like going into this message, I just didn't know what it is that I was going to say, that I felt had any kind of weight to it. But all I can say is that I've pressed into the Lord this entire time that I've been prepping, and I just pray that he is the one who speaks this morning um, and not me. And I pray that he reveals things this weekend uh, that even for me I've been struggling with. Um, because I've always had a hard time, I had trouble thinking about death. It's not something that I like to dwell on. I don't like to think about it. Someone in my life who never shied away from the topic uh, was my grandma. Now, my grandma, we called her Tutu. That was her name. I know people in Hawaii, they have tutus. She was Tutu. That was her name. Um, But uh, even from a very young age, we knew that she was always thinking about life beyond this one. She made it very clear. Six, seven, eight years old, she would say things like, you know, when Jesus decides to take me, I'm ready. And I'm just like, we're in McDonald's right now. Can we chill out? (laughs) I am working on my four-piece nuggy, and I'm like trying to enjoy my Power Ranger toy. Like, can we not talk about this? And she'd always do that. And we would go to her house in Kona. That's where she lived. And she would take my sister and I, I don't know if your grandparents do this or if you do this as a grandparent. I don't know. Maybe start a little bit later in life. We were eight years old and she was taking us on the After I'm Gone tour of her house, which is the tour that your grandparents take you on to let you know what happens when they're gone. So she's like taking us around her room. She's like, hey, this drawer right here, all the important documents in here. When I'm gone in here. And I was like, oh, I'm eight. Okay. And she's like showing us things that we're going to inherit when she's gone. This, this drawer full of Hawaiian bracelets, don't have your name on it, but they're all yours when I'm gone. This folder full of $2 bills. All for you. This cigar box full of foreign coins and half dollar bills. All for you. All for you when you when I'm gone, and I'm like, thank you. Okay, always thinking about it. So when she was sick last year, and we brought her home, we, we watched her because uh, she took home hospice care, and for a couple of weeks, as her health started to deteriorate, uh, we just watched her. She transitioned on, uh, and she transitioned transitioned out of this life, and we slowly started to see her lose function, and we slowly started to see her lose consciousness and come in and out, and. When she was still able to speak, she would, you know, take really long naps, of course. She was very tired. Take long naps. She'd wake up. She'd look around the room. She'd see us, and she'd, you know, grab one of our hands, and she'd look us right in the eye, and she was like, why is not Jesus taken me yet? She was so tired of looking at us. Like, every time she opened her eyes, she's like, you guys again? Like, see Jesus? Like, come on. Like... She she was ready. And we watched her for almost two weeks uh, as 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 nurses came in and out of our uh, my childhood home, and she was in the living room the whole time and they were taking care of her. And we saw her lose function. We saw family members come over and, and say their goodbyes. And um, you know, she took her final breath on a Thursday night, and we were very fortunate to be with her. My my mom, my wife, my sister. Uh, and my, uh, my grandfather, we were there with her, and we prayed together. And it was in that moment um, that verses like these took on new meaning. And you can read in your notes in First Thessalonians, it says this. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Something that my grandma was very, very aware of, always teaching us through the things that she would say, and even after she passed, teaching us something very important. And it's written in your notes, you can write it down: is that death is the end of dying. Death is the end of dying. Talking about eternal perspective saying here today, gone tomorrow, we're talking about what is the God-honoring truth in all of this, then the reality is that we as believers know and hold on to the truth that death here in this life is absolutely not the end. Death in this life means eternity with our Heavenly Father for those who believe, means we will rise as Christ has risen and we will live eternity in paradise, in worship and in in relationship with our King and so we can rejoice. So even as my grandmother took her final breath, as we mourned as a family, as we cried around her, we could know that in death, that it was the end of dying for her here. And now she's partying with her for real, for real best friend, Jesus. She loves us. She loves us, but she loved Jesus all the more. And that's why she has joy in her eternal life. And because of that, we as, uh, as a family, we rejoice and we know that we have hope through something. Though something very difficult has happened, we know that she is with her creator. And, and that's for all believers. That is our eternal perspective. That is seeing life, and in this case, death, through an eternal lens. It's that everything that happens here on earth, our relationships, how we love Jesus, how we love each other, absolutely it does matter because we know our eternal future. It's why the Bible says that we can have joy in the midst of trouble, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of sadness. We can have joy, and even though I absolutely miss my grandma, I know that I can still have hope in Christ, and so we rejoice. But here's the reality is that that truth does not erase the grief and the struggle and the sadness that i feel and that maybe you feel because of some of the loss in your life i refuse to end the conversation here because i know that the struggle and the sadness that i feel is not halted by the realization of the truth that i just shared because even in the midst of that truth maybe we are still struggling maybe there's still grief to be had there are still tears to be uh, there are still tears maybe you're still crying yourself to sleep at night because you miss the person that you love maybe you're still holding on to voice messages and you're listening to them because you just want to hear their voice one more time i know that i have maybe maybe weeks Months, years and years and years down the line, you still find yourself missing that person. You still find yourself grieving, even after all this time, saying to yourself, and yet I will rejoice. And I don't mean to project any of this onto you. It's still a little fresh for me. It's been less than a year. I, this is how sometimes I felt over the past few months, is that if I have so much hope in Jesus... If I have so much hope in Christ, I know my eternal perspective, then I feel like I must be missing something, must be a terrible person, must be a faithless Christian if for some reason I cannot move past this grief. If I still hurt, if I'm still sad, if I'm still upset, if I'm still angry, if I'm still confused, then somehow I'm missing something because I am still all of those things. I'm still upset that we had to spend my grandma's first birthday without her this past month. I am still so upset and heartbroken that my mother, who used to call her mom every single day, had to celebrate her first Mother's Day without her mom. I'm still upset that my grandfather had to spend his first anniversary without his wife this past year, and that last year he spent it in a hospital with her. Those things still upset me, and if they do, then somehow I must be, excuse me, I must still be missing something. Like, if all of that hurts, where is the eternal perspective in that? We're going to look at Ecclesiastes 7 together today, and we're going to camp out here, and we're going to start in verse 1. If you want to open your notes or your Bibles, we're going to pretty much camp out in Ecclesiastes 7. But verse 1, it says this, A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart as I mentioned, not super good in the feelings department. I'm just not. Um, We have this joke on staff that the only time I cry is when I'm on stage giving a message for some reason. It's just, I think it's God's way of like, you're not going to cry, so you might as well do it in front of people. Like, (laughs) go ahead, have your breakdown in front of hundreds of people. I was like, great, thanks. Uh, and (laughs) And I will be honest, you can ask people that I work with, I'm getting better, but I used to be terrible at handling other people's feelings. Like, if you cried in front of me, I just turned into this like robot that started malfunctioning like, "Oh, time to go." Oh, like and I'd be just trying to like do it from a distance. I'm just kind of like, "Oh my gosh, there there. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. Good. You're you're okay. All right. Cool. Let's move on." Like that's, that's the only reason why that was for. <laughs> no one else was. Four. That was it. Um, <laughs> I'm not good with it. Like, give me happy. Give me celebration. Give me excitement. But the the grief part is super hard for me. And, And I realize now, after this past year, I realize part of that was a result of me truly believing that if I'm faithful, then I must always be fine. I felt like I couldn't dive into those feelings, because I felt like if I am truly faithful, then I must always be fine, must always be able to smile, must always be able to point to my joy, must always be able to say, but God, in the midst of my struggle. I felt like that I could not truly grieve if I were a faithful Christian. But here in Ecclesiastes, we read that it is far better to be in the house of mourning. Why? Because it's in the house of mourning we may experience God in a way that we haven't before. That it's in mourning, in grief, that we come face to face with the realities of eternity. Some of the things that we don't want to engage with in our mourning, God brings it to our attention and says we must deal with these things. And more than that, in our grief, and this is something I've known to be true, is that we just might be the nearest to God. Because you can write in your notes something we can be sure of is this. Is that God embraces those who embrace grief? God embraces those who embrace grief. It's why Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. See, my old way of thinking was to avoid. My grief, that quite possibly having faith meant pushing past my feelings of loneliness and sadness and regret and everything in between in order to show my faith in Christ. But here, understanding that as Ecclesiastes says, death is the destiny of everyone, perhaps coming to terms with it is how we lean into our eternal perspective. Leaning into our grief, leaning into our sadness might mean leaning into that eternal perspective because these are things that we can't ignore. Because there will always be elements of sadness, remnants of grief. But in those remnants, we can find Jesus and he finds us. I want you to hear a story of someone in our church before we continue on. Uh, We shared this testimony back in December at our Candlelight Memorial Service. It's a story of uh, one man in our church who has been pushing into his grief and how he's been experiencing that after he lost his wife. So would you take a look at Paul's story?
1: Joanne has always been the quiet inspiration behind me. My wife and I met uh, in Waikiki. I was in the Navy. back in 1964. And that was 55 years ago. So we've been married for 54 years. But she really was one of a kind. Uh, she was very quiet, very humble, yet she was very powerful. You knew she was there. Uh, very loving, very generous. So she was a really special lady. So she taught me how to love, because uh, when when we had our kids, she taught me what discipline really was, and she taught me what love really was. So she was she was my strength behind me. It wasn't always the nicest guy in town. Um, <clears throat> at one point, Joanne decided she's you know what she's. I'm going to church this weekend. I'm taking the kids, you can do whatever you want. There was no way that Joanne was gonna go anywhere and I wasn't gonna go with her. That's how we started going to church. We served in pretty much every ministry that you can think of. Uh, I was on a worship team for for a couple of years. Um, We did, uh, Joanne and I were leaders of the Awana group. We had an Awana group in our church. We were also children's church leaders, and I've held half a dozen uh, Ohana groups. So we've been heavily involved with, with the church and very much involved, of course, with the Lord. And I can't remember a time when, Joanne would always get up first, and I can't remember a time when she wasn't sitting there at the table. When I'd get up, she's already sitting at the table writing, doing her daily devotions. Um, I just can't remember and, and I've got the books to prove it man I got books upon books of, of just her writing so that's that's the kind of example that she was able to set for me and as a result I picked up a lot of that she became ill um, when I say ill uh, she she had an infection in her legs that that spread and but she was never in in real pain it was just, she had to go to the hospital because that's where they had to treat her and because of this COVID thing I couldn't go in and visit with her that's what really made it difficult um, but in her last two months three months maybe she was home and uh, other than the fact that she was frustrated because she was losing strength and she couldn't move around much anymore um, she was, I never heard her complain I never heard her complain, and when she finally passed away, she passed away in my arms. She went to bed, and I noticed she wasn't responding, so I lost her that night. Um, It's sad, and yet I'm so thankful the Lord took her quietly. She never suffered that I know of, and so that, that brings peace to my heart. And, you know, there's never been any doubt where she is today. She's with our Lord. I'm almost always lonely, but it, it's okay. It's it's almost become my friend. You know, like some people say, pain is my friend. You know, loneliness has become my my way of life. I'm not depressed because of it. It's just I'm aware of it. I can be in a room with 30 people, and I'm still lonely because there should be 31. That's the way I feel. Uh, That loneliness is is an absolute result of the love that we shared for each other. And so I don't really want want that to go away. You can't erase 54 years, you know. I find myself doing a lot of things I probably would not have done. Um, I'm a musician, and I used to spend hours on my keyboard. Um, Now I spend the same amount of time on the very kitchen table that Joanne used to spend her time on. That's probably something uh, I'll I'll admit I probably wouldn't have done. Um, A lot of the things that that she would have done, I try to do. And as far as the rest of the family, I I know uh, every once in a while I'll I'll talk to my son and we start talking about her and all of a sudden there's that quiet two minutes I know he's crying. My daughter, same thing. Uh, And myself, you know, so. We all love her, we miss her, and uh, she's there She's there in our memory all the time. I find myself, uh, my prayer life is a little more intense when I pray about the family. Joanna and I used to pray every night before we went to bed, but my prayer life is a little bit more intense than it was, um, and I just find myself just being active with the Lord a lot more than, than I probably was a year or two ago. A lot of her, I don't want to say characteristics because she's a one-of-a-kind, but, but a lot of the things that she did and loved, I'm finding those things becoming the things that I give and those things that I love. You know, I remember the good things, and if I can encourage anybody, uh, if if they feel that loss, it's it, it's okay to remember because that's what you're going to remember. You're going to remember the good things. The good memories bring Bring joy to your heart, you know. Yeah, the sorrow may still be there, the loneliness may still be there, but the joy kind of overshadows the sorrow and the loneliness. You know? So, at least for me, that's how I get get by, you know, and, and, and people are always saying, you know, how you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Really? Yeah, Really? Really, I'm doing fine. You know, I'd be doing better, no question about it, if Joanne were still here. But I'm doing fine because I understand that my memories are good memories.
0: Here's something that I really love about Paul's testimony. Is that he says, this is what it is for me. And I think that's super important to acknowledge when it comes to grief, when it comes to sadness. That he's saying in that moment, this is how it is for me. This is how I've been experiencing it. And it's okay if that's not what it looks like for you. Because grief is not a formula. There is no correct way to do it in the sense of it's supposed to look like this. Because a lot of times, and I don't know if you felt like this, but I know that I have, is that I've struggled before with my grief because... I felt like as a Christian, it needed to look a certain way. That for if I'm if I'm a Christian, if I love Jesus, then I should be able to do X, Y, and Z, even though I am sad, even though I'm grieving. I should still be able to have like the brightest face at church. I should be able to dance around. I should be able to lift my hands all the time, and, and I should be able to push past this because God is my strength. All of these things that I tell myself, because I've struggled with my own grief and trying to feel those things. I've also struggled with my, with my grief, and I don't know if this is you. But for me, I've struggled with it because I felt like I was only allowed to grieve depending on the relationship that I had with this person and if it compared. So I'd be like, well, I lost my grandma. I didn't lose my my wife of 50 years. Or I lost my grandma. I didn't lose my mom whom I called every day. I, I, I didn't lose my child. And I felt like my grief was only allowed to look a certain way. And if it didn't look like that, I felt bad. I felt lost. And The crazy thing about these perspectives that I held was that it was based on how I was perceiving the world and how I was perceiving things and how I felt I was supposed to define and determine it. It was my human perspective of grief, my definition of it, the way that I felt it was appropriate. And it's not an eternal perspective because it was still all about me. All these things that we say to ourselves about trying to get through things or trying to justify how we feel or try to not justify how we feel. Those are all things that are rooted in our own personal perspective rather than an eternal perspective. Because for me, an eternal perspective looks a lot like what Paul had been sharing. Is that he recognizes that his loneliness isn't going away. That he feels lonely and he recognizes it. And he can acknowledge it. He recognizes that the sadness that comes with someone that he loves very deeply and is no longer with him, it will be there. And he recognizes that Jesus is near to him through these feelings. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes as we continue on in verse three. This is when it comes to our emotions. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise was, is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of... Of pleasure. What we're saying here is that we have to recognize that what can happen in our hearts in the midst of our sadness, in the midst of our grief, has the potential to build our eternal perspective. So we can't be afraid to feel these things because the Bible says we should feel them. And I was often afraid to feel these things, you know, like when it comes to sadness and anger and being upset and confused, we consider those negative emotions. So we don't want to feel those negative things and we're afraid of them and we look away from them because I felt like leaning into my feelings of loss made it clear that I wasn't leaning into Christ. That was my God's honest thought is I felt like if I was leaning into loss, then I wasn't leaning into Christ. I felt like I couldn't be sad or mad or or lonely because that somehow meant that I am not near to my creator. Because how could I be sad if God says that I can have joy? How can I be mad if the person that I worship has all the answers? How can I be lonely if God says he is near to me? How can I do any of these things? And I felt like I was disappointing God in my grief, and I And I was hiding my face from him. But here's the reality. You can write in your notes. Is that God isn't afraid of your feelings. God is not afraid of your feelings. If you are mad at the situation or sad or upset or angry with him or any of those things, he's not afraid of those feelings. We aren't hiding anything. Let's be real. If we're trying to hide, we're not hiding from God because he knows everything within us. He sees the very depths of our souls. He searches our hearts. He knows us inside and out, so he knows us. If we are grieving, then he knows it. If we're sad, then he knows it. If we're upset, if we're mad at him or at the situation, he knows all those things, and he still loves us through it. He's still near us through those things. The thing is, in, in hiding things away, in hiding our feelings, we are also hiding ourselves from him. We are trying to hide in the dark, secret places, and we are not allowing him access to the spaces he most wants to be part of because it is in those spaces that we can feel close, that we can feel comforted, that we can start to feel healing. When we try to push past and push it down, We're not allowing ourselves the ability to be comforted by the one who can comfort us perfectly. He says, bring all those things to me. Bring them to me. Do not hide them. Do not run away from them. Bring them to me. Look at what he says as we continue on down a little further in Ecclesiastes in verse 14. When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. I am not trying to say the best Christians are the grieving Christians. I'm not trying to say, like, be sad all the time. Like, all right, I'm so sad. I am grieving. I am lonely. I am sad. I am so close to Jesus right now because I am so sad. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Not saying that. What I am saying. Did you like that? Uh, What I am saying is you can... Feel. It's not illegal to feel. So if things are good and you are happy, be those things. You can be happy. You can be rejoicing. You can be excited. And when things are junk, that's fine, too, to feel sad, to feel upset. When you feel those waves of grief come, when you feel those waves of sadness and upset and and, and confusion come, you can feel those things. Why? Because God has given us the mechanisms of our emotions so that we can navigate through these experiences. That's what they do. Something that I've come to realize, especially in this last year is this, is that sadness is not a lack of joy. Neither is happiness an abundance of it. I can be happy and be joyless. I can be grieving. I could be sad. I can, I, I can be upset and I can have joy because I know who my God is. Our emotions help us navigate these experiences of this world And the coordinates of our emotions should always bring us to the foot of the cross. Our emotions navigate our experiences, and those can bring us to the feet of Jesus. Whether we are beaming with happiness in his presence, lifting up his name, or if we are just broken at his feet, our emotions have the power to take us directly into the presence of our king, if we would lean into them. When my grandma passed away, immediately I disassociated. That's just how I dealt with it. It was late at night. We prayed together. And in that moment, I just started going into work mode. I called hospice, and I let them know that she had passed. They sent over a nurse to confirm. And then the nurse said, I'll call the funeral home. They should be here soon to come in and take her. We didn't know how long it was going to be. It was late at night. So I told my wife, I was like, you can go home. I don't know how long this is going to be. I'll wait here. I told my family, I was like, Jen, Mom, go sleep. Papa, go to sleep. I'll wait. For like three hours, I was waiting in my living room with my grandmother. And I was waiting for them to take her. And in those three hours, I just sat there. And all I could think about was my grandpa. All I could think about was my mom, my sister, and I felt how I, I just could feel how hard this was going to be. And in those moments, I felt nothing but guilt. I felt guilty because the last message that I have of my grandma is of her asking me to call her back because she missed my voice. I was upset. And I was guilty because I had weeks and weeks of snoozed reminders in my phone to call her because it's been so long since I talked with her. I felt guilty because up until that point, four and a half years I had been married, I never took my wife to visit my grandparents in their house. And every moment after that was this internal battle of whether or not I was allowed to grieve because I didn't feel like I rejoiced enough when she was alive. So I kept going. I went to work two days later. I felt bad about that. I missed a lot of family meals because I worked late. I felt bad about that. And I, anytime someone asked, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And I kept living. I kept doing what I thought I was supposed to do as a Christian, just keep going. And I felt bad because I hid all of these things because I felt like I had to be the pastor of the family. And it wasn't until her funeral that I brought them. I brought all of my feelings before him and before my family. At her funeral, I was exposed. The grief that I had been trying to push past started coming up when I realized I looked into the crowd and I didn't see her. It started coming, and I was exposed. And I realized the guilt that I had been feeling was a result of this tiny, tiny human perspective that I had about grief. That I was trying to define it, trying to make sense of it, trying to do it myself, and I was trying to hide the things that I felt were negative. A very wise pastor whom I love very much and I miss very much, his name is Alex Michelle. he passed away last year as well. He said this about pain and about grief. He said, our tear ducts are in our eyes so that when we are in pain, we can be seen. There is something very necessary in the process of grief to be seen. And being seen is something that I don't want to be in my grief. But to be seen by God and to be seen by others is so necessary because it's when we begin to invite people to comfort, to give us hope. We begin to see healing happen. And let me tell you something that I've learned is that even if those feelings do not take you directly to the feet of Jesus, it's okay. Because when you are ready, he will be there as you collapse in his presence. That journey that you lean into will bring you to Christ if you lean into it. Be okay with the things that don't make sense, the things that you're afraid of, because the one who holds all the answers, who holds eternity is there when you are ready. In closing, I'm, I didn't want to force anything this weekend because uh, I feel like that's unnecessary, but I did feel it on my heart to create space for us just to sit with the Lord wherever you are. Because the reality is like, you're here, you're sitting here in service, you're at home, you've, you've set aside time to be with Jesus. So I want us to take these moments to do that. In these next few moments, we're just going to sit and you're going to sit with the Lord. And I want to challenge you. And I wish someone challenged me with this a while ago. Is that if you haven't leaned into your grief yet, like it's fine, maybe now's the time to do it. It's safe to do it here. If you have been grieving and you just need space to lean into it, do that here now. If you might be grieving for others who you've seen, who are leaning into their loss, now might be the time to lift them up. You know, these times of prayer, we normally put the, the prayer number on the screen, and we'll do that. If you, if you want prayer, you, you can text in your prayer request. If you're at home, you can text in your prayer request. You can drop it in the chat. But we're going to take a moment to lean in and come before the Lord. And, and let me encourage you. If you need to be seen right now, In your grief, and you are with someone, let them see you. If you are with someone and they are grieving and you see them, pray with them. And if you feel alone, know that we're here. If you need prayer, we have our prayer team here. But even if you feel alone, it's fine. Jesus is near. Okay. So I'm going to pray this into this moment. Excuse me. And we're just going to sit before the Lord right now. So let's pray. And Jesus, we thank you first that you see us. God, we cannot hide from you. Lord, in these moments right now, would you be with those who are grieving? Would you just be with those who are grieving right now? If we have been hiding, God, would you expose us? Not to make us uncomfortable, but Lord, the opposite is to comfort us. Those who must be seen right now, God, would you let them know that you see them? God, right now we sit before you and ask to reveal yourself to us in our can keep your heads bowed if you're still in this moment, but I want to read something that has brought on new meaning over the past few months in my life. Psalm 90, 12 says this. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Having an eternal perspective means understanding that our days are limited. having an eternal perspective means that the time we have with our loved ones is very limited. And that realization can bring wisdom to not waste moments and when moments pass, to celebrate those moments. I was very fortunate to be able to be with my grandma in her final moments. And um, I know that that's not a luxury a lot of people are afforded. So I don't know where you're at. But I will say this over and over again, that you are seen by your heavenly father. He sees you. He knows you. He does not condemn you for how you feel, for however long you felt it. He sees you, he knows you, and he loves you so much. And in all things, we must remember that we love and serve a God who loves us, who knows us, who is near to us, and he embraces us. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that, God, you are near to us. Even in our heartache, you know us, you love us. And God, even in our heartache, we can know what joy is, not what happiness is, but what joy is. That joy that comes from knowing you the joy that comes from knowing that you love us, that you see us, that you are a healer, you are a comforter, you are the provider. So God, I pray for everyone in here right now and online as well who's joining us. God, I pray that you would remind all of us that you are near, that we don't need to be afraid of the things that we have been feeling. But instead, we have the ability to lean into them and know that you are right there in the midst of it. So God, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We pray everything in the name of Jesus. Everybody says, amen. Amen. We hope you were blessed by this weekend's sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, newhopeleeward.org
1: to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our Ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.